my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day today, as always, and be sure if you need anything, get a hold of us at healthmasters.com. Lots of different sales and specials right now on the website, including the liver support as product of the week, so go check it out right now. And I've been looking at a bunch of different articles this morning. I woke up early, and I've been just going through and researching stuff, and I found it interesting because I've been hearing more and more rhetoric now going towards the direction of... COVID-like climate emergency acts and different types of emergency powers and declaring national emergencies. And there's just been a lot of, I don't know, how should I say, just rhetoric about this now that's slowly going out. And I've found over the years, a lot of times when you start hearing this kind of just ramblings with mainstream media and they put comments out there repeatedly, a lot of times they're trying to get people to be desensitized to things. And it's kind of, you know, the aspect of coming in and doing that selective argument, so to speak, where you're going, okay, well, this is what we're going to talk about here, but then this is just something that's going on, but, you know, we're just going to bring it up very, very lightly, and then they slowly start issuing it more and more aggressively. Well, multiple individuals in the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, including President Tim Stewart, has said now that the energy industry groups are expressing concern that the White House is going to declare a COVID-19-like emergency, but for climate change instead. He said if you grant the president's emergency powers to declare a climate emergency, it's going to be just like COVID. They said the vast and unchecked authority to shut down everything from communication to infrastructure would be on the table, including water and electricity would be affected by such a decision. They can literally do exactly what they did in COVID, said Mr. Stewart. He said, if you disagree with climate emergency, your speech is shut down. People need to be paying attention to it because the power can be extended indefinitely until the climate emergency is over with. Now, if you remember, there was over 60 Democrats who backed the legislation a year and a half ago known as the Climate Emergency Act of 2021, which essentially did just that. And it pretty much died in the Senate. It didn't go anywhere. However, this topic keeps getting brought up, and this is why you're starting to see very strange things be pushed just abundantly fast with no real rhyme or reason. For example, the new EPA guidelines for generators now, where the vast majority of generators are not going to fall under the emission standards by next year, meaning a lot of generators, I'm assuming, are not going to be able to be sold. I don't know how that's going to work with dealers and with companies and businesses that have enormous amounts of them in inventory. I'm not sure how that's going to work. On top of that, too, very quietly, people don't even realize this, the incandescent light bulb ban started today, August 1st. The Biden Department of Energy plan to meet basically the maximum output as far as with the LED lights is now in effect. And essentially they said while everyone was yelling about gas stoves, the incandescent light bulb went away. It's lights out for the incandescent light bulb that people have known over 140 years. They said the end game of the old light bulbs came quietly. By early this year, lawmakers had mostly moved on to squabbling over gas stoves and other newer targets of the Energy Department's efficiency efforts. While the Biden regime jailing their opposition in mass, essentially, and trying to transition children, bring up any of this stuff, over a decade ago, the light bulb issue shone bright. And now they've essentially gone in and banned it. They went on to say here this new policy. They said that came into action in April, but full enforcement starts August 1st. The transition away from the inefficient bulbs have been underway for more than a year. 
The fight may be settled, but the larger fight over energy efficiency standards is still looming. And they go on to say here that essentially the, they, the DOE, the Department of Energy, seeks to intend the maximum civil penalty against light bulb manufacturers that knowingly distribute products that violate their energy standards. The department has previously issued civil penalties worth tens of thousands of dollars for companies violating its energy conservation standards. And what's crazy about this is yesterday I was talking to Lennox. We got a new ice maker not too long ago, and it's it's GE one, no Wi-Fi. So ironically enough, she was telling me about this, and she was actually hard to find. There's only two specific ice makers we were looking at that didn't have Wi-Fi connect. And I told her, I said, why in the world would you want your ice maker to be connected to Wi-Fi? And she goes, why do you think, Austin? She goes, because they want to monitor everything and be able to shut it down if they want. I said, well, I get that. I said, but what in the world did general purpose would somebody want their Wi-Fi connected to their ice maker? And she goes, it doesn't matter if people want it. It's what they're doing. And this is what we start to see now with appliances, all the way from coffee makers to ice makers to refrigerators to dishwashers to washing machines. Everything now suddenly has Wi-Fi connect. And you kind of take a step back and you go, why the heck would I care if my dishwasher is connected to the Wi-Fi? It's because all of this stuff is going to be under the broad umbrella of energy standards. Oh, you've used your dishwasher two times a day. We've monitored it now through Internet. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be restricted for 48 hours because you violated the amount of times you can use your dishwasher. Same thing goes with washing machines. Same thing goes with refrigerators, as we now clearly have seen. It's happened with the uh, thermostats, with ACs. That's blatantly obvious. You saw that out in Colorado. And now suddenly, light bulbs, the incandescent light bulb. Now, here's one of the reasons why they're pushing this agenda so hard. A lot of the light bulbs, believe this or not, have Wi-Fi connections in them now. They actually have different types of transmitters that can pick up energy loads and actually report certain things. On top of that, LED lights put out much, much, much more as far as uh, radiation is poisoning than regular light bulbs do. LEDs also are much harder on your eyeballs, and very few LEDs actually are full-spectrum lights compared to a lot of incandescent bulbs. So you have this artificial light that's extremely bright but pretty toxic to the human body for the most part, especially when it comes to eyes and everything else, and yet suddenly every time you turn around, gas stoves are now being banned. Oh, we have to ban light bulbs. Oh, now we're banning generators. All of this stuff is moving very, very quickly to try to hit the numbers that they want. There's a big shift that these globalist banker boys that are running everything apparently want by 2030. I saw an article here earlier now saying that the uh, Biden administration on Friday announced a proposal by the Department of Transportation to increase annual passenger cars fuel mileage by a minimum 2% and increase in light trucks by 4% every year going into 2032. This means by averaging by 2032, they want the average vehicle to be getting 58 miles per gallon. Now, quite frankly, the motors that we have out there right now, especially diesel engines, they could achieve this. I know years and years ago, Dad and I, we went to Europe on a trip over there, and we got a rental car, and it was a diesel, usually a diesel like sedan. It was averaging mid-40s, like 42 to 45 miles per gallon on a regular basis on the highway and it's because it was so efficient this is one of the reasons why in my opinion you saw volkswagen get the largest automotive fine in recorded history because their alleged diesel engines were cheater cars and they were putting out more emissions than they said when they were cold but yet they were getting 50 60 miles per gallon some of the diesel jettas yet 
Most of them are still rotting in the field right now. They know the technology is out there and it can be extremely efficient, but what they're trying to do is they're trying to force people out of the market. That's why you're seeing now pickup truck MSRPs increasing 5 and 10% every single year right now, but yet EV cars suddenly keep having these massive rebates and huge discounts and all these price drops on a regular basis. Why? Because they're trying to push everybody into this market, and they want to tell everybody how bad you are if you're driving a gas or diesel engine, and that essentially these automotive makers, they know 58 miles per gallon is not achievable with the current EPA restrictions they have on emissions. The emissions that go on these diesel trucks with the DPFs is insanity. I remember when they mandated this in 2008, and everybody was hacked off about it. People were taking their DPFs off and tuning their trucks, and it was ironic because you had these diesel trucks that with these giant DPF filters on the exhaust that are two and three feet long, they were averaging eight to 10 miles per gallon, eight to 10 miles per gallon, fuel hogs with these filters on them. Suddenly you pull the filter off, you tune the truck properly. You'd be averaging 25, 26, 27 miles per gallon in a full size 2,500 pickup truck. Oh, no, no, you can't do that. EPA came in, started finding people, started finding tuners, started throwing people in jail. Because well, you, you touch the emission regulation on your vehicle. That's why they pushed the whole agenda to make sure they could ruin the fuel mileage on these vehicles, all under the purpose of increasing or decreasing emissions. But now what we're starting to see now, this push is getting very, very aggressive. That's why I've encouraged people to continually support industries, support companies, and support products that you know are supporting you and continuing to get the truth out there on a regular basis. What do you think, Dad, and how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, Austin. Uh, great opening up. You know, it's crazy to me when you start talking about the regulation on these vehicles. Like, I've got a diesel Tahoe, you know, which is a you know kind of a, I don't guess it's just a kind of a, <laughs> a grandpa car, I guess, and it basically uh, is great to haul the grandkids around in. And, and it, if I keep it around 62 miles an hour on the highway on a flat stretch of road, it'll get almost 40 miles per gallon. And that's with the current technology, with all the restrictive stuff they've done to the to the car. You know, on the average, it gets 25 to 27 around town on the open highway, et cetera. And it's a great vehicle, and you don't have to fill it up very often because it gets such good fuel mileage. And that diesel technology was basically developed well over 100 years ago. By a guy by the name of Diesel out of Germany, and he basically learned that you could get really, really good fuel economy and really good torque and really good power from an engine the way they do it with a diesel by in- injecting it into the cylinders and basically igniting it under pressure. And so it's, it's a great technology, and I've seen cars in Europe that were getting 60, 70, 80 miles per gallon, the smaller versions of these cars as far as the diesel technology on the Autobahn running in Europe. And they couldn't have that. That's why when Volkswagen, quote unquote, didn't quite tell the truth, which I still don't believe, by the way, on warm up on these diesel engines. I mean, they didn't pollute after they got warmed up after a couple of minutes at all. But they said, oh, yeah, they, they, they pollute the first two minutes. Well, they're probably trying to get air into the system while it's, while it's warming up. So they got to restrict the technology. That's why Mercedes and BMW and so many of these other manufacturers are no longer able to make car diesel engines. It was because they wanted to get that technology away to go back to the gas hog gas engines. So they would have to force the electric technology into the world. And that's why they did that. It was just all a big lie. And Volkswagen, I got fined like $20 billion. You got to ask yourself a question. How do they pay that off? I mean, how's Ford losing, you know, $4 billion again this year? I mean, you know, but don't you remember a few years ago, Austin, when General Motors got in trouble and had an infusion of, you know, 4 or $5 billion, whatever it was. And all of a sudden they were doing great. And all of a sudden their debt was paid off. Well, they start issuing stock and the international banking community buys this stuff up. And this is the guy, this is a group that again runs the world. And they start buying it and controlling everything. And you know, you know, and you got to realize that these people 
are telling us now, like in Germany, that Germans have a moral obligation to sacrifice living standards and wealth claimed as a Green Party president. Germans are facing an increasing range of economic problems, including recession, inflation, falling real wages, and even the beginnings of deindustrialization. But the Green Party, Jonas Wagner, has claimed that Germans have a moral duty to give up their wealth. Uh, <laughs> this, 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 this is what well, they're doing in the U.S. Let me read what he says. Wagner took to Twitter to express his outrage that Germans do not want to give away their wealth. It seems such a shame that so many people don't see or don't want to see what incredible prosperity we have in Germany. We're one of the richest countries on earth. We can still give so much and also have a moral obligation to do so. Wow. The, he, he earns more than $10,000 a month as income, as well as additional benefits such as paid travel and other expenses, placing him among the richest, highest earners in Germany. He will also receive generous pension due to his high salary as a state employee. However, you did not mention that his money would how his money would be redistributed. Wagner was hit by a range of negative comments on social media. Besides increasing poverty and economic headwinds facing Germany, users pointed out that the median net wealth of young Germans is far below that of other EU countries, while the federal government has a soaring debt totaling 2.5 trillion. Now, none of this was true a few years ago with Germany. Germany was basically 10, 15 years ago. They didn't even have much of a national debt at all, but they were forced to sign onto the EU debt and all these different countries. They were forced to do this because the international bankers knew that Germans were being consistent enough and be saving their money enough that they were able to actually run a surplus in the economy and they couldn't go into debt with the Federal Reserve in Germany. And they basically had to fix that. They had to get the Germans impoverished, they had to get them into debt. And now we see this massive debt problem they've got in Germany now with the government. And they keep signing them off on more and more things. And then they had to bring in millions and millions of immigrants who couldn't work, who didn't know what they were doing, who basically were illiterate to the point they couldn't flush a toilet. Uh, I know this sounds awful, but it's true. And this is what Angela Merkel did, who used to be a member of the Communist Party when she was younger in East Germany. And I'm sure she finished putting the axe into the heart of Germany by bringing in millions and millions of unskilled workers that basically now are on the government payroll. All of this stuff in Germany is crazy. And I, I can tell you, though. The German people, the original German people, were very industrious. They were very hardworking. It didn't matter if it was 40, 50, 60, 100-hour workweeks. They would do it. They would do whatever it took to get the job done. However, now they're telling those Germans who saved their money, they need to give it all away. And it's always ironic to me. I had a friend of mine. He, had a, he, was, from, he was from Germany. His name was Jürgen. And he basically uh, married a girl from Colombia. And this girl from Colombia was a hardcore communist. She was raised that way as a socialist. And she came to this country, and basically he found her, and he met her, and they had a company together they ran. It became very, very, very profitable. But yet she was always the one slamming the United States, slamming our national monuments, slamming you know all the stuff that we have that made the country what it is. And she wasn't even an American citizen to start with. She was from Colombia, raised as a communist. And it was so funny to me because she kept talking about how they need to have more and more and more and more taxes. And I finally I looked at her. I said, well, why don't you give away your money? They were very wealthy. I said, why don't you give your money away? I said, you, you don't want to give your money away, but you want everybody else to give their money away. I said, are you a philanthropist? Are you giving money back to the government? How about are you paying for the road out in front of your house? Are you just giving extra money away? Are you giving people who are homeless money? And, of course, the answer was no, 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 and no, and no. And it's funny to me, Austin, how people always want to give away other people's money. But when you start talking about giving away their money, they want to put a break on and say, no, I don't want to do that. That's not okay with me. And that's, and that's crazy to me because the reality is, is that if we – are really going to be a socialist or a communist like these people are, why is it a double standard for everybody? I'll never forget the one time I was on an airplane. I've told you a story a couple of years ago. I'll mention it again for the new listeners. I was coming out of Texas, and I had just spoken at a seminar, and I was wore out. I've been gone for days. You know, I was, I was flying in coach. I couldn't get an upgrade to first class or business class. So I'm sitting in the back, and I didn't care. It was a two-hour flight. 
and I was sitting in the very back by the toilet. And everybody knows that's the worst seat in the place because you're the last person to get off the plane, et cetera, et cetera. Especially in Florida, when you get off the plane, basically it's hot in the back of the plane. So I moved up to the bulkhead row and I sat down and there was this one lady sitting in a seat. And I asked her nicely if I mind if I took the other seat and she said, no problem. And we started talking. And then she tells me that basically, you know, she asked me what I did. And I told her I was, I was basically had done a seminar and I asked her what she did. And she says she didn't work. She was on welfare. And I asked her if she had any kids. She says, no, I've got one child, uh, he, but he's basically – he doesn't work either. He has AIDS. He's gay. And she's like, put that up as a big badge of honor that he's gay with AIDS. And finally, we started talking about you know the economy and different things. And she finally looked at me and said, well, the truth is you need to pay more income tax. And I looked at her. I said, why do I need to pay more income tax? She goes, because I can't work. I don't want to work. My son can't work, so you need to support us. And I looked at her. I, I, was, I was shocked. She says, you need to pay more and more and more until you can give everything you have to us, to people who don't want to work. And I looked at her. And I thought she was joking, but she wasn't joking. She was being serious. And she gives, I'm one of the last of the true Teddy Kennedy bleeding heart liberals, and that's how I feel and that's how I believe. And I told her, I said, I really wish you know, I had not had this conversation with you. I really wish that I had not moved up from the back seat, but we're almost about to land, so I'm not going to get up now. And I said, let's just keep our conversations, you know, private now. Let's not talk to each other anymore because you're really not making any sense whatsoever. She was serious. And that's what happens in socialism. That's what happens in communism. Everybody realized that if everybody's being paid $200 a week, like they, they were doing Soviet Union, which is, well, that wasn't $200 a week, like $50 a week. And it doesn't matter if you work 20 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours, or $100, you still get paid the $20 a week. Everybody starts working, you know, the least amount they possibly can because the salary doesn't change. That's why socialism doesn't start, doesn't work. If you take a college class and it doesn't matter how good you do in the class, no matter how hard you study, everybody gets a B, no matter what. I don't care if you just study 100 hours a week or, you know, zero hours a week, you get a B. And they've done this experiment and they find that college, college students will do nothing and get their B. They won't even go to class because they'll get their B. I remember years ago when I was at Florida State. The easiest class to take was a theater class, and it was like an instant A for everybody. I mean, you just, it was just nothing. It was, you, you got an A automatically for taking theater, and then it became common knowledge that you didn't even have to go to class to get an A. I don't think I went to one class, and I got an A. I mean, I'm not going to go sit in the theater class, have to walk across campus in the heat, and go sit in a class for an hour three times a week to get an A if I could get an A by not showing up. I didn't show up. Now, whether or not they still have classes like that at FSU, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But that was a long time ago. But the reality is that's what happens in socialism and communism. Everybody has to give up their rights, give up their money, give up their stuff because somebody else doesn't want to work. And that's the problem with it. And that's why the United States was always the shiny city on the hill. That's why the United States was always the benchmark of, of success, the benchmark of the world, why it was always the template that everybody wanted to follow because of capitalism, because of free enterprise. You come to the United States completely broke with $20 in your pocket, and 20 years later, you can be wealthy. And people saw that. My grandfather came from Germany back in the 1800s, and my grandfather basically has some, some of our family members were living in Chicago. He stayed with them for a few weeks, but he was a hard worker. He was raised as a farmer, and he basically said after a couple of weeks, I'm not going to sit around and do nothing, and he hopped on a train, had some money saved up, and went through Iowa because he heard they had good farmland there. And after about you know a couple hours on the train, he basically saw some beautiful farmland. He pulled the whistle stop, which you still do back then, and had the train stop. And he got off in the middle of the cornfield. I said, this is beautiful. And he didn't speak any English. And he walked up to the farmhouse, and apparently they understood German or spoke German too. And he asked if he could have a job to work for them. And he was such a good arbiter, you know, worker, that they let him have the job. 
And then what ended up happening is four or five years later, they decided to retire, and they sold the farm to him. Before it was over with, he ended up with 1,500 acres of farmland, and a lot of those being having to be you know, plowed, et cetera, with horseback. I mean, it was, it was crazy, the technology that developed while he was here, and then pretty soon they were using steam engine tractors and diesel engine tractors, and he was always at the forefront of doing all of that stuff. But he started from Germany with absolutely nothing. He came here and worked and worked and worked and built a life for himself and for my father and his brothers and sisters. And so all of that stuff is possible in a free enterprise system if the controls are in place to allow it to develop and to grow without restrictive technologies being forced upon us like we see now in the United States and being told that you can't do this, you can't keep the product of your labor, and you're going to have to give all your money back to the state. Once you do that, it doesn't matter who you are. Sooner or later, you get tired of working and giving everything away. And that's what they want. This is quote-unquote economy they want. You know, Klaus Schwab. You know, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. We're going to change you. We're going to change your DNA. And we see all of this stuff and we wonder why in the world that we as Christians put up with this stuff. But it's because of the churches and what they've done. The churches were the black robe clergy. They were the ones who got things done for us, you know, 200 years ago when we said enough of England. It was the churches who did this. The problem is, you know, we realize now that the churches have gone silent. They don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. And, you know, now another doctor, Dr. Robert Malone, who I have mixed opinions about, says the COVID jabs were a CIA operation to depopulate the world. Well, wait a minute. You know, in a speech at the 2023 White Coat Summit, Malone asked a crucial question about the so-called COVID vaccines. Why would a government wish to advance this technology? His reluctant conclusion is that the novel mRNA injections have been developed by the CIA to assist in a global population program, which has existed in the United States since the 70s. Actually, it's from the 50s, quite frankly. Dr. Malone was one of the pioneers of the technology, which led to the development of the mRNA injections. His, that's why I have a problem with some of the stuff he says. His near unique insight of their mechanism of action was derided as misinformation by mainstream media once he began to warn the world of the dangers of these novel interventions. Given his background in developing what he refers to as genetic vaccines, Dr. Malone would appear to personify the very science we ought to be following. It is not his credentials or his proven expertise which has led to the attacks on his reputation. However, it is the fact that the science he has followed has led him to a sinister global program of deliberate harm. Wow. You know, so we have to ask ourselves, why is all of this happening? And we have to understand that all of this stuff is basically being used against the population of the planet. I'm going to put the rest of this article here and let you read it, but I'm not going to basically go into detail with it because it's going to take too long. But we already know that it is a CIA operation. We already know that it's not the CIA who is doing it, but they are involved in it. It is a Kabbalist, Luciferian, synagogue of Satan. Because remember, the CIA is a satanic organization, and they are being run through the military-industrial complex, which is being run through the 17th Kabbalist, Luciferian, military-industrial complex. And all of this stuff links back to this. And this group of entities that run the planet want to depopulate the planet because they feel as though that we have gotten out of control as far as with our expansion, as far as population. And I'm going to say something here very clearly. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. This is important. So I'm not going to – it's going to sound weird. We don't have a population problem in the United States. We don't. We have very few people having more than two children. It takes like 2.3 children. Figure that one out, right? Some people have to have three. Some have to have four. Some have to have one. 2.3 children on the average to sustain a population. We don't have that in the United States. All the Western countries don't have that. They're way under two. So they're self-liquidating regardless. The problem are the third world countries where a person has four, five, six, ten, twelve children, and nobody knows who the mom and daddy are. Right? So everybody's running around just having well you know having babies and the problem with it is it's the third world countries that are the problem 
So what do they do? They know we're not reproducing, so they drag the third world invaders into our countries to dilute our population so they don't no longer understand what capitalism is and what free enterprise is and what socialism is is what they're promoting and which they're pushing the cloward and pivot agenda to destroy the infrastructure and destroy the United States of America. We have road projects here in central Florida that simply can't get finished. I mean, we've got the Polk Parkway. They've been working on certain parts of that for years now and never seems to go anywhere. It's always all chewed up and tore up. That's a toll road, and they can't get it fixed. And so we have the ability to fix this stuff, and they certainly have the income from the generated toll revenue they create from that parkway. But the problem is they may not have the workers anymore. They don't have the ability to come in and bring the equipment in anymore. I don't know, but it's ridiculous that they're doing this, especially on a toll road. That's the problem that you run into when you start having people basically who don't want to work, who want to sit around on their laurels all day. And remember, we've got 100 million people who don't work in the United States. And a lot of those people are on welfare. A lot of them are on crack. A lot of them are on meth. A lot of them are on Oxycontin. A lot of them are on drugs. I told you about the Biltmore State a few years ago. We were up there. We were walking to the main house, which I don't mind. It's only about a half of my walk. It's really a nice walk. And they weren't running buses except for the one area. And I asked the guy, why aren't you running buses anymore? He says, we can't find anybody who can pass with their CDLs who can pass a drug test. Told me that. The driver told me that. He says, we can't find anybody. There's nobody around. Everybody's basically on Oxycontin or drugs. And that was brought to us by Purdue Farmer, remember, 10, 15 years ago when they were pushing Oxycontin with all the pill mills. And all the pill mills were basically giving out hundreds if not thousands of prescriptions a day with doctors that were writing prescriptions for Oxycontin as Purdue and Oxycontin were doing this and pushing it and saying how great Oxycontin was. Remember all that? And all of a sudden, we end up all these people, tens of millions, 60, 70, 80 million hooked on opiates. And then the government comes in and says, oh, we can't do this anymore. Why? Because they didn't want to do it anymore because they want everybody to go to the street because the CIA needed to have more money coming into their black ops. So they forced the people to the street who were addicted to the opiates, and they shut the pill mills down. And then with per- Purdue Pharma gets tens of billions of dollars or whatever it was in, in fines. But yet nobody at Purdue Pharma went to jail, and they did over $100 billion in these doggone drugs. And the Sackler family became immensely wealthy. Never went to jail, and they were the ones who were pushing the whole agenda as far as the pill mills. All this stuff is all part of the agenda to dumb down the population of the country. Because when a person looked on opiates, they saw this with the opium wars in China. They don't want to fight. They just want their next fix. They don't want to argue with the government. They just want their next fix. They want to sit there and be completely and totally sedated on drugs and not be bothered by anybody else and only wait for their next fix. You see that with alcoholics. They always want the next drink. You see what people who, have, who are addicted to cigarettes who really have a bad cigarette addiction. All they want is that next cigarette. They, all they think about, that they don't get the cigarette, they start sweating. They start shaking. They'll run out the door and have to get the cigarette somewhere outside where they're allowed to smoke. You see them on airplanes. They're unbelievably scared. They're shaking on an airplane because they can't have a cigarette. So they start hitting the booze to calm themselves down. These drugs are strong, and you got to be careful with them. You need to always realize that. But the CIA and the Sabbatine Kabbalist Luciferian Network are the ones who pushed all of this stuff. And they also push all these crazy diets and all the other crazy stuff. Say you need to be a vegan. You'd be eating bugs. Well, this vegan influencer now, Ziana Dehart, dies of starvation and exhaustion in Malaysia after switching to an extreme tropical fruit diet. Her name was Zana Samavoza. He apparently died of starvation. She was originally from Russia and ate a strict diet of raw fruits and fruit. A vegan raw food influence. Slow down. A vegan raw food influencer who lived on an extreme diet of exotic fruit has reportedly died from starvation and exhaustion. Now, you think about it. She's 39 years old. And she basically is dead. And you look at the pictures of her. Her arms are like 10 inches around. She looks like she's about to check out and die. But she's a vegan influencer. Let me say something to you about if you want to be a vegan. That's your call. But you're going to deal with a lot, a lot of protein deficiencies if you do that. If you're going to be a vegan, which I don't recommend you be at all, I was a vegetarian for years, and I lost so much strength it was crazy. I had to start eating meat again to get my strength back up again. If you want to do that, make sure you take your supplements and make sure you at least eat eggs and fish. 
then you can probably be okay with it. But make sure you take your supplements. But for me, I'm not going to be a vegetarian. I try to eat four to eight eggs a day to start with, and then I eat beef on a regular basis and chicken like every single day. And I feel a whole lot better, and my energy stays up a lot better. And my basically my testosterone, you know, last time I had a test, it was at 800. And all of that stuff is part of the diet that you eat. And all of that stuff is important for you to stay healthy. I don't care about my cholesterol as long as it's under 250. You guys are always asking me, what do you think an ideal range is? Well, ideal range used to be 250. As long as it's 250, I don't care. If I don't, and my cholesterol never goes over that anyhow. And I also use the fish oil every single day, and I take my supplements every single day. All of that stuff is so important to maintain healthy cholesterol and blood viscosity. But going on a vegan diet and starving yourself to death because you're trying to prove a point as a social influencer, I, I guess she was just extremely stupid on top of everything else. And I, I, I condolences to her family, but what the heck? You see, can't you see in the mirror what's happening to you? Unless you become anorexic. But a lot of people get to the point where they don't realize what they're doing to them is hurting them. And you try to change them and they want to argue with you. And I've seen that repeatedly when I had the clinic. A lot of people will say, well, I'll listen to what you say. I'll do what you say. I'm going to get healthy. And it goes on for two or three weeks. And finally, they come back into the office and they haven't done anything because they realized that they had to change their diet, which required discipline. And they could no longer eat the junk food, which they love so dearly. And so it happens all of the time. You know, and then you have people like Thomas who came over the other day with his kids and his wife, and these kids are incredibly healthy. They're eating clean. They look great. They're exercising, and you realize that the message is getting out to some people, but it doesn't get out to everybody. That's the important thing we have to do. The sower and the seed and the word of God and the word of truth that we have to sow to everybody, whether it's rocky ground, shallow ground, thorny ground, or good soil, all we're supposed to do is cast the seed. We're not supposed to make the seed grow. We have to just be careful that we don't throw it constantly on bad ground and we receive no fruit or no harvest from it. That's the thing that we have to learn as a sower. Be consistent and sow the seed, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, and it will fall on good enough ground that people will listen and things will happen and their lives will change and they will have a much better life for it. But a lot of people simply won't listen. A lot of them are going to be thorny ground and shallow ground, and no matter what you say to them, they will not listen. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples when they walk into these towns, they will, they will not listen. He says, shake the dust off your feet. Because we have a message that's much stronger than the world has. We have a message of hope, a message of peace, a message of love, a message of the true Christ Jesus, almighty God himself, who came to this earth to basically sacrifice themselves to reconcile us back to God the Father. We have that message of hope to give to the world, and we have to do it on a consistent basis, and we've got to continue to sow that seed and sow the seed also of good health and, and, and having brain power and realize that fluoride will cause massive synaptic damage because it's a neurotoxin. Don't use fluoride toothpaste. Don't put aluminum chlorhydrate under your armpits for antidepressant deodorant, which has been linked to many cases of breast cancer. Don't be doing stuff like that in Alzheimer's disease. Stay away from certain things that we know are toxic and realize that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we can have a great day every single day. But I tell you what, guys, it's a whole lot easier to have a great day every day when you feel good and you're walking in health. Just saying. Love you guys. Also, what do you think of what's your next story? You're spot on with that. And that's why I encourage people all the time to really evaluate as far as overall health of what you're doing as far as with supplement intake with food intake. Because quite frankly – it's one of the most important things, especially when it comes to your family and your kids, because it's much easier to get stuff done and to be efficient and to be productive when you feel good. I mean, that's, that's a simple fact. I think everybody can agree with that. Everybody knows the feeling. You catch a bug, you're sick, you're on the couch for a day or two, and you're just not feeling good. You're not very productive. You don't get a whole lot of stuff done. 
that's exactly why the food industry works directly with the with the medical industrial complex. We wonder why we're leading the world with heart disease, with diabetes, with cancer, with all these health problems in the United States. Newsflash, it's not an accident. This is a concerted effort. The same companies that run the medical industrial complex are the same companies that own big agra, and big pharma, and all the drugs and all the food industry. This is why you see compounds that we know are extremely toxic to the body suddenly get approval by the FDA and, oh, nothing to see here. For example, like sucralose. I talked to you guys about that research study, what, a month and a half, two months ago? Going into detail, how when sucralose mixes with your stomach acid, it forms the next phase of sucralose 6 that essentially is unbelievably toxic and actually damages your DNA. We've talked about sucralose in detail for years, Dad and I have. Yet, you still see people buying it. You still see it in almost every single drink that's sugar-free, that's mainstream food, then sugar-free gum, basically in food. It's in everything now. And I've never understood the concept of the health industry with so much in the exercise world and health fitness world of using sucralose. It drives me up the wall. I had a buddy of mine not too long ago. He was asking me to kind of give him my opinion on some of the supplements that he was taking. And he sent me a couple of labels on it. He said, I just want to get your opinion. He goes, they're working pretty good. I'm getting a good pump in the gym. He goes, but I just want to get your opinion. Every single thing he sent me had sucralose in it. The protein powder, the pre-workout, the amino. And I'm like – Dude, everything has sucralose in it. I said, you're just pumping your body full of chlorocarbons all day long, every single day. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. I said, not only does it wreck your kidneys, I said, it completely and totally kills your gut microbe. I said, you can look up the research on all this stuff with sucralose. It's well documented on how toxic this stuff is, yet it's still in everything, and yet people still buy it. This is why I encourage people on a regular basis. Make sure you do the best you can at supporting food companies that are actually valuing your health. Don't be buying food from big-name product companies that are putting trash and stuff. Why are you going to support them? Why are you going to buy stuff from them? This is why I also encourage people to buy local, to go with companies that you know you can maybe get some local raw milk from Amish family if you want to use that for your pets or if you want to use that for any other purpose. Make sure you're getting good, organic, you know, free-range eggs. There's all types of things you can do. You just got to do some research on it. The issue we've run into now in this country – and Dad and I have seen a lot is so many people just are complacent about it. It's just easier to go to the store, buy the cheapest food with the most nastiest preservatives in it and bring it home because, well, that's just the current thing. That's just what everybody does. And then they wonder why their kids are constantly the doctor. They're constantly in the pediatric office. They're constantly going to the doctor and going on more drugs. And you look back and you go, well, you're just getting a byproduct of what you're putting in your body. Simple as that. It's not hard to figure out. That's why I put the kit back on the website as far as for the back-to-school kit with the children's Omega-3 cod and the uh, Ultimate Multiple Chewable because I've told you guys those two right there are incredibly good to start kids on that really helps out with drive, that helps out with motivation, that helps out with focus, that helps out with energy, helps out with overall health. And again, it's so important you continue to raise your children up right when it comes to food and diet and exercise starting at a very young age. I can't reiterate that anymore. Also, too, in other news, this is very interesting now. Whether or not there's something more nefarious behind the scenes with this, if you guys have seen this now, it's kind of not really gotten much mainstream media coverage whatsoever, but an illegal medical laboratory with apparent links to China was discovered in Reedley, California back in April and has now been raided 
the, earlier this week. According to the court documents, the CDC tested they could determine there are at least 20 potentially infectious viral bacterial parasitic agents with presence including E. coli, malaria, and even COVID. They noted the investigators found hundreds of laboratory mice, many of which have now been euthanized. They went on to say here that the investigations found that the tenant was Prestige Biotech, a company registered in Nevada and unlicensed for business in California. City officials spoke with Xing Yao, who identified as the company president through emails included in the court documentation. Now, what's crazy about this, though, the more I keep researching and looking into this, they were talking about everything from HIV to hepatitis. And on top of that, they said they observed blood, tissue, bodily fluid samples, serums, and thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids and suspected biological material in this warehouse. They said certain rooms of the warehouse were found to contain several vials of different types of blood. Now, what they were working on here and what they were planning on, I don't know. The fact that this is one of these places that they have all these different types of samples and literally dozens of potentially infectious agents, it's kind of creepy. And again, makes you kind of wonder what's going on behind the scenes, why you got this biotech company that's registered in Nevada that's tied back to China, operating in California with this weird lab they're doing. That's why I told you guys before the whole story when they first told us somebody ate an infected bat in China. That's what spread COVID. I'm like, okay, I don't even believe you believe that. I don't even understand how stupid they had to think everybody was to push that narrative. Now, of course, we found out all these ties with Fort Detrick and DARPA and the NIH and all these things over there in Wuhan lab and the funding that the United States was giving them. We realize now Everything was engineered from the very beginning, and this was all planned out from the start. And then when you see stuff like this with this lab get busted in California, it kind of reiterates the fact that, yes, there's some very, very shady things that are going on behind the scenes. And what was there? What were they planning in this lab and what was going to be the next move for them before they got busted? I don't know. Just wanted to put that information out there. Also, to in other news, Dad and I were talking yesterday about how it's very interesting. We're watching this very, very big issue with air travel now and the ability to travel freely unmolested on your way is slowly dwindling down all across the globe, all the way from being able to essentially drive freely where they're pushing these EV cars and monitoring this and want to charge the station this all the way to now. You see, I've talked to numerous people and so is dad constantly having flights delayed, getting stuck in parts of the country, having to get rental cars to drive back home, you know, thousands of miles because you can't get a flight for an entire week. And yet we're seeing now the cost of flying is also going up dramatically. So I mean to the point where some of these flights international are five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. That's not even for first class because they're increasing the cost higher and higher and higher to make sure the peasants can't simply travel. That's exactly what they're doing. And it's ironic that we saw this shift during COVID with a lot of these pilots now that have had to retire, have had heart attacks. I mean, we've seen report after report after report of these pilots flying, suddenly have a heart attack when they land or suddenly have a heart attack in the air, have a heart attack or stroke, when, you know, right after they land. And this is interesting because this isn't an accident. You know, when AOC, the big mouth woman that she is running her mouth, doesn't usually say much of any value. However, she said something that we all kind of laughed at and she said flat out that we need to stop all air travel. There needs to be no type of air travel in order to maintain the climate change agenda. 
and this is exactly what we're watching now trying to book flights trying to get flights on time trying to do anything and get you know layovers i mean i remember just the last time when i came back from las vegas for the sema auto show i got stuck over there i ended up having to switch entire air carrier because my flight got canceled and they wanted to fly me out a day and a half later. I'd have like two layovers. It was going to be like a 14-hour flight trying to get back home. And I went, oh, my gosh, it was American Airlines. So finally, I canceled my whole flight on the way home and booked a flight with Delta. It was, I mean, it was a nuisance. It took me hours and hours and hours to try to move stuff around. But, I mean, I know the, know the deal, so I figured it out. But this is what they're doing, my friends. And so, again, this is why it's so important to continue to encourage one another to get the truth out there and also – encourage people to maintain their value and their freedom of being able to travel. I mean, that's one of the great pastimes of the American culture was the ability to just hop in a vehicle or go hop on a plane. And a couple hours later, you're in a different part of the state, different part of the country, do things, go look at things, explore things. Like that was talking about with the train before they started flying, the train was running around everywhere. That was the way to go, man. Train nonstop, man. Those things were nonstop back and forth the country all the time. It's because the ability for Americans to have freedom to travel is a very, very big right, and it needs to be something that people continue to value and stop looking at as this privilege like they're trying to tell us with this climate engineering <laughs> alarmist, I guess you could say, saying, oh, no, it's, it's a privilege to be able to travel. No, it's not. It's not a privilege to be able to travel. It's not a privilege to be able to travel freely, unmolested on your way. That is a right as an American to be able to travel, to be able to move freely. It's not a privilege. Don't ever allow somebody to tell you that and believe it because that's the agenda they're telling everybody right now because they want to continue to push that privilege card oh it's a privilege to have ac that goes below 78 it's a privilege for you to be able to travel it's a privilege for you to be able to speak freely it's not a privilege it is a doggone right that's ingrained in the bill of rights to be able to speak freely and voice your opinion never forget that rights are only kept when they're maintained and when they're demanded to be respected Rights will be trampled on if people do not stand up for them. We saw that so much during COVID. So, again, I encourage you, keep your voice high. Continue to stand up for your rights. As I saw earlier now, the climate change alarmists are now saying that basically this, you know, people are having anxiety problems and all these health problems now because oh, climate change. This is what they're literally pushing now. They're saying that people are having to go on medication because they're so stressed out about climate change on a regular basis. It's essentially a giant way to keep people more crazier. Climate hypochondria is what one of the writers talked about. And she said it simply does not match the reality of what is happening to the weather and the threats that may actually be happening. She said today snowflakes consider hot weather abhorrent, similar to how they perceive normal feelings such as anxiety and sadness. There's nothing normal about climate anxiety despite the less claims to the contrary. And this is, again, to keep people in a state of fear. Remember what I said earlier. Reference repeatedly, as it said in the Bible, from front to back, fear not. For I am with thee. Do not sit there and fall into this agenda that they want for you to sit around and be terrified and scared. Oh, no, Russia might nuke Ukraine now because Ukraine did a surface air missile into Moscow. Oh, no, everybody needs to get nervous about it. Oh, no, climate change. It's designed to keep you focused on the wrong things and not focused on the real things and continue to keep people terrified. People that are in a terrified, fearful state will obey almost anything. Prime example covid that was the poster child for fear porn and keeping people under control by telling them there's 
a invisible virus that might get you. You don't know where it's at. It could be coming at any time. It could be in your mailbox. It could be in your shower. It may be in your friend's house. Don't go anywhere. Don't talk to anybody. Wear three masks if you walk around outside. And when we're ready for it, make sure you get the new vaccine because it's safe and effective. That was the prime example of fear porn and what it did to people. Always evaluate and look at history. Look at what's happened in the past if you want to know what's going to happen in the future so you can simply be ready for things and build a hedge for what you need to. What do you think, Deb? You know, Austin, you know, we've always got to be ready for everything. I mean, we just got to be, we have to basically take, make sure that we, you know, are prepared. You know, here in Florida, you know, we basically have pumps and pipes and backup battery systems and generators and solar systems and all the rest of it that we use on a, in the event that we have a power outage from a hurricane. And we have this incredible heat. Yesterday, we had like a lightning show that I'm not seeing. We had hail here yesterday in Central Florida. I mean, it was around four o'clock in the afternoon. It was crazy. And, you know, we have now lost a bunch of Internet, and they had all kinds of repair vehicles all over the roads last night because we lost a bunch of Internet. We lost a bunch of power everywhere again. And it's just part of what preparation is. You just, you, if you want to live in a place that's filled with reptiles and lightning, you better be prepped. I just thought I'd mention that. And you got to be prepared. I mean, last night I went on a, like a walk in a, a nature preserve. And it was, you know, hopefully the, the mosquitoes weren't awful. But they were still running around, but they weren't biting. But what was interesting about this, you know, I was armed. I mean, I was ready to shoot, you know, a pit viper or gator or whatever. Of course, I did not have the proper armament with me to handle a gator unless you do an eye socket shot. Just thought I'd mention that, which is kind of difficult to do when you have a writhing gator. But the point is it'll still get their attention. The reality is this. You know, you've got to be prepped. It doesn't matter where you live. You have to have backup food. You have to have backup water. These guys that are doing this with Klaus Schwab and the rest of them, they're basically playing for blood. This is not a game with these guys. You know, now we're now we see another article that says Frank Gaffney warns of the rising military leaders affecting our armed services, armed forces with cultural Marxism. And we're seeing that. And of course, we know that with the CFR and the rest of it. You know, cultural Marxism came to us from the Frankfurt School, which we've covered so many times. And I'll post this article for you guys to read it. Even Klaus Schwab's daughter now is confirming the covid was a precursor to climate lockdowns. And she continues to tell us that basically all of this stuff is orchestrated. And we're understanding finally, as we look and see things like the migrant crisis in New York City. There's an article right now from the Daily Mail. It says shocking photos laid bare New York City's migrant crisis. Families are bust up from the border, sleep rough on Manhattan streets. Migrants were seen lining the street on 46th and Vanderbilt outside the Roosevelt Hotel on Monday morning. The hotel, which was shuttered three years ago, is one of the several holes in New York, hotels in New York City that have been transformed into emergency centers. Refugees have been bussed from the borders of New York City in droves since the end of the Title 42 as southern governments, governors attempt to alleviate the pressure on border cities. Shocking pictures have laid bare New York City's migrant crisis after dozens of people were seen sleeping outside the iconic Roosevelt Hotel. Let you guys read this. This isn't going to end. It's going to get much, much, much worse as these people are brought in with absolutely zero skill sets by the tens of millions they're being brought in. And when we understand that, we start to realize very, very quickly that these people are not here for our best interests. They're here for the state to come in and institute Collard Piven, like I talked about earlier. Really, really important this. And then we see all the perverts, like the guy who basically debunked Pizzagate. He has now pled guilty to child pornography charges. <laughs> this is crazy. It seems to me that those who deny something the loudest are often guilty of that very thing. A former ABC reporter who bragged about debunking Pizzagate just pled guilty to child porn charges. Former AC reporter James Gordon Meek faces at least five years in prison after pleading guilty to possessing and transporting child pornography. Meek was in the news last year after he allegedly went missing from his home after it was raided by the FBI. 
he could face up to 40 years in prison. But yet Hunter Biden can have all kinds of child porn on his laptop. And basically he is lauded as one of the greatest heroes in America now with his artwork being sold for millions of dollars. And the guy can't even paint. This is just, it's like a circus show. It's almost hard to believe that we really sit back and we go watch and watch this. You think this is just crazier and crazier and crazier, crazier. And then a really interesting article came from um, another podcast. And it says the rich get richer and the poor keep them pouring. The rich get richer and the poor keep pouring over the borders to serve the rich. Democrats and Republicans alike love a large peasant class to keep the wine pouring also. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I got to stop for a second. I just got to think about what they're saying. They're saying that what we have to have are people to serve the wealthy. Are we talking Hunger Games here? It's exactly what we're talking. They don't want a middle class in the United States. They want the rich elite who are basically being served by the, by the poor – Basically, running everything from their, you know, their fortified cities and compounds, as the poor continue to be poured over the border to serve them and make them feel like they're kings and queens and princesses. Goes on to say, we may be in a recession all over the world, but at least the rich are getting richer. So there's a bit of good news. Not only is their wealth rising rapidly due to the stock market's recent rally, but their spending is up substantially. Still, you read today from the financial publication that cater to the rich, such talk as how the U.S. may need to bring in more cheap immigrant labor, so those are the top. U.S. society can continue to enjoy their lavish lifestyles. Of course, the financial media doesn't quite phrase it that way, does it? When they say that the companies are unable to find sufficient workers, therefore the U.S. may need to import more workers, it would be ill-mannered of me, the writer, to suggest companies raise wages enough to attract more people into the workforce. That would eat into those 20% annual gains for the fat cats. Now, I'm going to stop one second because I disagree with him on that. And here's why. You know, there's a certain margin that companies have to make in order to pay the overhead. There's a certain margin they have to make in order to pay the utility bill. There's a certain margin they have to make in order to basically have the ability to keep employees employed. That's free enterprise. That's capitalism. If you can't make certain margins, what happens is you start eating into the profits, then pretty soon you can't pay the very employees that are working for you. And you shut down. We saw that with Yellow Freight. It just happened this week. And we have to understand that there's a really delicate balance on generated revenue, profits, and the ability to stay in business. And that's what entrepreneurs have learned learned many, many, many years ago, that if we don't have the ability to earn a profit for the companies, to pay staff, to pay employees, et cetera, then these companies are going to go under. So when you say the fat cats do this and the fat cats do that, now you may have some fat cats with BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard when they buy up everybody. I I understand if that's what he's saying, I agree with him on that, in which they push excessive profits and they force people to pay $8 for a dozen eggs. They pay, force people to pay $4 for a gallon of diesel fuel or $5 for a gallon of diesel fuel or $8 for a gallon of diesel fuel or $10 for a gallon of diesel fuel like they do in Germany. All of these people that are pushing this, he's right about. But when you have mom-and-pop businesses that are struggling to stay afloat because they can't make margins because their costs keep going up, those people need to be excluded from these types of comments and these types of blogs. And here's why. I know what it's like to basically run a company. I've been doing it for over 40 years. I know what it's like to empty the garbage cans. I know what it's like to sweep the floors. I know what it's like to clean the kitchen in the office. I know what it's like to ship the boxes personally. I know what it takes to run a company. And that's what people don't understand is that it's not just profit, profit, profit. If you bring in $10,000, yeah, at least at least, at least least 50% of that cost is going to be cost of goods sold. Then you're going to have to deal with shipping and freight and utilities and management and insurance and all the rest that comes out of that $10,000 with a $5,000 that's net income. But by the time it's over with, you may have 5%, 10% profit. That's about it. 
if you're lucky. And then, then you get then if you do enough volume, then you have half of that goes back to IRS. It's difficult in the current environment with the taxes and the regulations to even make a profit, much less stay in business. So when a blogger goes out and he starts slamming everybody as rich cats, it's kind of nonsense because I mean, how many plumbers and you know and, and people he would say are rich cats because they they a lot of plumbers are millionaires, a lot of electricians are millionaires, a lot of people that have been investing with their money over the years and being careful with their money that didn't make that much to start with, like, like a lot of people who work at Publix Corporation, they're millionaires because of stock purchases. All of these things people don't realize. You know, if you do right and you go and you just take your time and you don't go berserk on it, you can you can do pretty good with it if you allow yourself to just work and work and work and work and work. You know, there's several books you can read, uh, Acres of Diamonds, great book you can read. Another book you can read is called The Richest Man in Babylon, great book, Acres of Diamonds and The Richest Man in Babylon. Just stay with what your skill set as a skill set is and continue to try to bring honor and glory to God and try to do what's right in God's eyes and try to be fair with everybody. If you do that, in most cases, you have a good product and a good way to market the product. You stay in business. Guys, I love you. I haven't had the opportunity yet to pray this morning for you, but I will after the show today. You guys are absolutely amazing. And it's been kind of one of those fireside chat shows today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I love you guys a lot. And I thank you for supporting Health Masters. I thank you for getting your multiple vitamins from us and getting your toothpaste from us, getting your, your deodorant from us. Stay away from that aluminum chlorohydrate deodorant and stay away from that fluoride and that toothpaste. That's why I always push those two products, though there's very little margin on any of those products. It lets us know that you're at least trying your best to stay healthy. Austin, what do you think, buddy? And finish this thing up. Oh, you're spot on with that. I mean, fluoride is one of the easiest things to cut out of your diet very, very quickly and very swiftly and easily. And you'll notice massive health improvements, especially if you're having a lot of exposure to it, all the way from fluoride mouthwash to fluoride toothpaste. That I saw the other day, again, they sell fluoridated water for toddlers to increase your strong teeth, make your teeth stronger. Well, what about dental fluorosis? Anybody ever want to question that? Why, if you get slightly too much fluoride, your teeth start falling apart and dissolving? Oh, that's right. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not going. We're not going to talk about that, dude. It's a byproduct of fertilizer production. It's an aluminum byproduct. This stuff's an absolute toxic mess. They can't get rid of it, so they put it in the water supply. It's so corrosive. They have to have it in specific containers and let it drip in. It's, it's it's it literally is one of the biggest lies that's ever been perpetrated on the American populace that fluoride is somehow strong for your teeth and helps your teeth become stronger. Stay away from that stuff, my friends, especially with young children. There's been so much research that have shown what fluoride does to IQ, to IQ points in young children, especially young children that are developing. So make sure you're doing the best you can as far as to keep them healthy and keep those toxins away from them. You know, when they get older, if they want to go do stuff on their own or they decide they want to use fluoride toothpaste when they move out, okay, that's, that's what they can do. Not, you can't do anything about that then. However – if you can actually do something about it now and make a difference, keep that stuff out of them. That fluoride is some toxic, toxic sludge. We have articles all over the website. You just type in fluoride, and you have article after article going in detail about it. So please, my friends, do your own research, especially when it comes to these types of compounds, preservatives, and drugs that they're constantly wanting to put in everything because it's not – getting better it's getting worse and a lot of it's getting worse because people are still paying to consume it that's the irony about it is that people actually buy their own toxins that are killing themselves and so the companies are making billions off selling you the compounds that are making you sick that are making people go back to the doctor to go on more prescription drugs to make you sicker. That's why I said before, it's all one giant circular ownership of one another. They all work with one another. So 
Do your own research. Your health is one of your most valuable assets, if not the most. And it's also one of the easiest things to maintain with the right research and the right dedication and continuing to keep your body and mind strong. And encourage your children to be active. Encourage them not to be couch potatoes and, you know, idiots that want to sit on the internet or sit on, you know, video games for five, six, seven, eight hours a day. That stuff's not healthy. Talk to you guys about that in detail in the past. There's more research you can look on that on our website as far as what screen time does to young children. Make sure you're encouraging them to be little Americans and continue to raise them right. If you guys need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com. Be sure to see what voted, uh, what you vote for for next week or later on this week. Looks like the cinnamon extract, magnesium brain food capsules are all pulling really strong. So go ahead and vote for that, which you want to see win tomorrow for product of the week. And also be sure to take advantage of the liver support on sale right now. Really helps out with glutathione production, helps protect liver tissue and liver function. Really, really important product. Also stacks great with the GHI cleanse. If you're wanting to do a really strong detox, you can take both of those together, really help detoxify the organs, strengthen the liver, strengthen the kidneys, and keep your body and mind strong because the better you feel, the better you perform, the better you perform, the more effective you can be at continuing to get the truth out there and encourage others to do the same. So you guys have a blessed, safe, fantastic evening, my friends. Continue to stay strong. Keep supporting local companies. And thank you for supporting Health Masters and allowing us to bring this show to you every single day for one hour commercial free. No ads, no pop-ups, no commercials, nothing. That's what we like to do on the show because I'm not going to put commercials and expose you guys to have to deal with that because I hate commercials as well. So you guys have a fantastic evening, my friends. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.